Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the San Basel Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be talking about more of Scorsese's comments that he made about Marvel Studios and the state of the superhero genre right now. I'm also going to be talking about a whole bunch of trending trailers that have come out over the last day. And also, there's a bunch of other crazy news that's happening that was just so stacked to put into one episode. But we're going to get through it on this edition of the Sam Self Podcast. But the first thing I want to talk about is coming out of the Batman universe. And while we got a casting information a few days ago regarding Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, we now have information of an unfortunate ending to talks for a certain actor. And that actor is Jonah Hill, who was in talks to play either the Penguin or the Riddler. But unfortunately, talks broke down and a deal was not reached. And according to Boris Kitt at The Hollywood Reporter that the talks broke down and nothing was really going for them and sometimes these things do actually happen so unfortunately Jonah Hill as of now will not be appearing in Matt Reeves the Batman and I think th this is a, this is a little bit of an of an unfortunate situation as when you get somebody as the caliber of a Jonah Hill it's incredible and I think having him especially as the Riddler I think would be incredible I think he was somebody that we've seen over the years be a comedian. He started out in Superbad. He he had his roles in comedy, but he started to mature and become a serious actor from Moneyball to having a mixture of that in Wolf of Wall Street. He's somebody that has become more serious, and I think someone like the Riddler can mix those two aspects of what Jonah Hill does great together. And unfortunately, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I, maybe it could happen down the line, but it seems like right now just, it didn't work out. And I think for someone like Jonah Hill, he seems like an actor who always wants to challenge himself. And I always say this about actors, specifically going on to somebody like a Joaquin Phoenix, who there were reports years ago that he was in talks to be Doctor Strange. But because of the actual commitment to the MCU, we've seen what Benedict Cumberbatch has had to do so far between being Doctor Strange and then being in both Avengers movies, and then now he's going to be in his in, in a new movie of his in 2021. So I think for Joaquin Phoenix, he's somebody that doesn't want to have that year-long commitment and always wants to challenge himself. And I think for Jonah Hill, it could be maybe money was an issue. They didn't meet the requirements, the quota that, that Jonah Hill wants at that kind of level also could be that maybe there was there was there was going to be plans for him to be in future movies and it just didn't work out and the fact that maybe Jonah Hill doesn't want to be in so many movies and maybe just wants it to be a one-off and that's it so there could be a lot of factors there haven't been a lot of reports regarding the exact details of why the talks broke down there are so many factors that we can put into it and that we can speculate on, but unfortunately we won't be seeing Jonah Hill as of right now. And what's interesting is that there came out reports that rumors were that while Jonah Hill was in talks to do both Riddler and Penguin, Seth Rogen apparently was in talks, rumor talks, to play Penguin alongside Jonah Hill's Riddler. And it seems like what Matt Reeves is doing right now is he's trying to come up with this rogue gallery of Batman villains to put into this movie. And maybe that seeps into a second and a third Batman movie. But between what he just did with Zoe Kravitz in, in, in casting Catwoman and what he potentially almost did with casting Jonah Hill as Riddler, it seems like he's trying to build up this rogues ga again, rogues gallery. But could that be a good thing? Could that be a bad thing? We've seen, especially in comic book movies, in in the last 10, 20 years, when you have multiple villains and don't focus on just one, even maybe two that are co-current co together, I think it really lends itself to just really downgrading the notion and really what you can dive into with these characters, with these villains. And the best villains are the villains that are ones that think they're doing the right thing. We know from all the Jokers that we've seen to Thanos to what Killmonger was in Black Panther We've seen these villains over time become incredible, Loki in the MCU. And so I think from what maybe Matt Reeves is doing, hopefully he's able to focus on just one villain, maybe two, and that's it. And it sounds like that's what he's trying to do between Penguin and Riddler. Those are really the two villains that we have been hearing about over and over and over again in terms of trying to cast these two characters for Matt Reeves' Batman. But, I mean, again, between... You got Robin Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. That is still a great three top actors right now that you have, and I'm sure they're going to get somebody to play 
either both or one of these two villains between Penguin and or Riddler. But guys, what do you think of these talks breaking down from Jonah Hill as being the Riddler? Matt Reeves is the Batman. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now, guys, I didn't have an episode yesterday because I, there was just so much for me going on. But I did say on Monday that I was going to continue the talks about Martin Scorsese in superhero movies and in terms of what he thought about Marvel movies. And I got into it a little bit, but I just didn't have enough time. And so I wanted to expand my thoughts on what I said. And when and the initial comments came out, I and I, I was all for... It's it's his it's his own thinking. He has a right to say what he says and what he wants to say and what he thinks. And even now, he still has that. But he compared taught the Marvel movies and to the theatrical experience to invading the theater complex, and that theaters need to stand but stand up and not let it take over the cineplexes, and that it's 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 not good for them. It's not good for theater experiences. And I think that is that is not the best take to be having I, I and again i understand it. it's 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 his opinion and it's his it's his right to say what he wants to say but at the same time i think that not 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 acknowledging something like this and saying that it's not a theatrical experience when we just had something like avengers endgame or even something like a joker which even though it was a more gritty version of a super of a comic book movie it still was an experience, and I think that's exactly what we get with these kinds of movies. And so, I, I for, for Scorsese, who is, again, one of the greatest filmmakers to walk the face of planet Earth. The guy is 70, 80 years old, and he is churning out some of his best work since Goodfellas and Casino. In, in The Irishman, it is by many to be considered one of his best films in the last 20 years, maybe. it's They, they consider it to be an, an amazing film. Wolf of Wall Street. The guy keeps just turning out masterpiece after masterpiece after masterpiece. And he if, if there's anybody that is able to talk about the state of the industry, he's one of those people. But I think to say that, it's just... It, it's, it, it's, it's, it's one thing to say that the Marvel movies are like theme parks. They're not really cinema. That that's something where you could say okay, but to say that move that superhero films, comic book films are invading cinemas. Like it's like invasion of the body snatchers, or it's like aliens are coming down to take over the world. It's that's it. That's not what they are, and people are clearly responding to these movies. Joker is a huge box office success. It broke the number, the record that was held by another comic book movie. So obviously, comic book movies, people are responding to them one way or another. Whether it's a Marvel movie, whether it's a DC movie, people are responding to these comic book movies. And so, whether it's the highest-grossing film of all time or breaking the highest-grossing box office weekend for that specific month, like Joker just did, and it held exceptionally well for its second weekend, there's superhero movies, not even superhero movies, comic book movies themselves are things that people just are are are, are into right now. It is what it is what people love. It's it's things that people. I think it's. It's something people can relate to. It starts conversations. People are into that kind of stuff. And I think that's just something that Scorsese is just gonna have to is just gonna have to deal with right now in terms of and somebody brought this up and I thought this was absolutely great is the fact that he might be angry at the fact that even though he's he's touted Netflix for doing great for what for, for the for producing the Irishman, the fact that it's not getting a major studio release in major theater chains might be ticking him off a little bit. And it's because, while I think The Irishman, I've said it, if this was in the 90s, this would be a potential box office juggernaut because of the people behind it. And it still is going to be a juggernaut of a film. But just, when it's when it's a budget of over $100 million, and it's not going to turn a profit of half a billion or uh, over a billion dollars, it's for a studio, especially like a Paramount or a, a, Warner, a Warner Brothers, it's, it's not worth it. Because you need to turn a profit for these kinds of movies, especially when you have a budget like that, and you're still carrying all these big budgeted films that you're going to need to make up for. And when you put in a lot of money behind this movie, that even though it has proven talent both in front of and behind the camera, 
it might it might not be a huge box office success. Again, might be one of the best films of the year, and it's happened. Films have been lauded by critics in terms of being a great film, but audience members just don't go see it. They don't. They they want to spend their money on something they think is a surefire bet that they will get the best buck bang for their buck on. Really, whatever they think is going to be the best way to spend their. If you have a family. The best way to spend your forty to fifty dollars at the movies when you just buy the tickets alone, or when you're going on a date night and you're spending almost twenty to thirty dollars in terms of buying the tickets and then buying food, it's it, it's a lot of money, and that's what people are looking out for. So I think for Scorsese, it, it's a multitude of things that are really coming out at this point for him in, in all these comments. But I just needed to to explain myself more about what Scorsese was saying with his comments. But guys, what do you think of Martin Scorsese's comments about Marvel movies? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to get on to a little bit of casting news that has been happening over the last few days. And one big one is for the movie Snake Eyes, which is a spin-off in the G.I. Joe franchise. It's going to be its own standalone thing, not connected to anything that's happened in the G.I. Joe films of the past with The Rock and Channing Tatum. It is going to be its own thing. It's starring Henry Golding, and they have found an a actress to side right alongside Henry Golding, who is in Crazy Rich Asians and A Simple Favor. They are bringing Ready or Not actress, the leading actress in the film, Samara Weaving, into the casting of this film. I absolutely love that choice. Samara Weaving is somebody who just kicks butt nonstop. She, I think she is a true star on the rise. And if you watch Ready or Not, which is to me one of the most not even underrated, but one of the most fun times at the movies. It was such an entertaining ride, especially towards the end of the summer movie season. She was a big part of that too, where she carried that movie from beginning to end, and she brought you on this thrilling action-adventure film about hide-and-go-seek that turned violent and deadly, and her performance was just fun, and it just carried you throughout, and I think she's somebody who, doing another role like this and signing her alongside Henry Golding, who I, I'm excited to see the chemistry they hold together in this action movie, I think is going to do wonders for her career. It's going to really propel her into stardom that is expected with these kinds of movies when you get them into these big IP ones. So I'm excited to see what Samara Weaving does. I'm a big fan of hers. I'm hoping that she gets a lot more of these kinds of roles because she was fantastic and ready or not. Guys, what do you think about Samara Weaving in the new Snake Eyes film. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now, the next bit of casting news that I want to get into is for The Matrix 4. And there was a lot of things that came out both yesterday and today that it just seems like they're ramping up production on this faster than we can we, we think it's actually happening. And there was a bunch of stuff that came out for Matrix 4. The first one was Neil Patrick Harris has been casted in this film. And first off, to have someone like in the caliber of Neil Patrick Harris, who is a great comedian and is somebody that I think is going to absolutely be something electric in this role. It's somebody that's different. It's it's something different for him. And I think he can get into that weird sci-fi feeling for an actual movie like this. And I think when you have somebody who can bring comedic but dramatic senses as well, I think it's something that is really exciting, really incredible. And so I think for what Neil Patrick Harris brings to the table is something that I really, really am looking forward to. They haven't disclosed anything that his role is actually going to be in this movie, but I'm sure it's going to be a prominent supporting role that will feature him in this movie. Also coming back to the role, alongside Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, is Jada Pinkett Smith, who is in the both the second and third film of the Matrix trilogy. I think bringing her back, you bring you're bringing back more of that of the familiarity, especially to fans of the Matrix trilogy that want to potentially see a fourth one. You bring her back. You want to see where she has been. She is somebody that was at the very end of the Matrix trilogy that I think is going to just bring some more familiarity to it and, and bring a familiar face and a similar face that you can attach yourself to. You know that character. So I'm excited to see her back in this role and see what what that character has been up to. The one that I'm really excited about seeing is Jessica Hardwick. She is somebody who is in Iron Fist. She was in Game of Thrones. And she is somebody who, kind of like Samara Weaving, I think, is really a star on the rise. And I'm really excited to see her in this role. 
apparently the role that she's been given is potentially something like of, of a Neo type who was played by Keanu Reeves and is being played by Keanu Reeves. Something that is just going to be Kung Fu, martial arts, just something incredible and insane that I'm really looking forward to. And just looking at these three cast members together and incorporating in with Yaya Mumbatu, you have Keanu Reeves, Carrie M. Moss, directed by Lana Wachowski. Both of the Wachowskis are coming back for this one, but she is. And so I'm really looking forward to having her taste for this movie again. And, and even though she doesn't have the, her her sister with her, I think the fact that that they are that that one of them is coming back that knows a similar situation, I think is fantastic. And again, this cast is starting to really form together, and I think it's going to be something really, really, really special in terms of the cast. And I think getting some familiarity back with the cast, young and old, I think they're going to follow something in the line of a Halloween or even something along the lines of a Star Wars in which it's going to be mixing the younger generation of the Matrix in with this older generation and have them combine together and go on this adventure. Now, whether it starts off a new trilogy or a new set of films, we don't know yet. We just know that this one specific film, Matrix 4, is happening for everybody to see. There's no specific release date yet, but production is expected to start up in early of 2020. Guys, are you excited about Matrix 4 and the casting they have for this film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to move on to some trending trailers that are happening over the last day or two. And the first one that I want to get into is for a Disney Plus movie that is coming out on the launch date of Disney Plus November 12th. And that is the live action version, kind of like what they did with Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and Dumbo and Lion King. That is for Lady and the Tramp. It's being directed by Charlie Bean and stars Tessa Thompson, Justin Giroux, Kiersey Clemens, Janelle Monet, and Ken John will be in this film. Now, majority of the cast will be voice acting because it is about these two dogs and the adventure that they go on in the neighborhood and finding themselves in love and romance and and being accepting into the family and, and, and a lot of themes that made the animated film such a classic. And seeing this trailer, while I'm not... I enjoy Lady and the Tramp. It's a wonderful movie. The animation is gorgeous. I'm not, like, over the moon about this. I mean, I'll watch it because once I get Disney+, Plus, I'm going to watch it. But I'm not over the moon. And But the trailer did a good job in, in, in seeing where this is going to go. I think in terms of the animation, which is the big prospect of this movie, a majority of it looked very, very good, especially on the, the, the dog Tramp. I think that having his... He looked very natural, and even when he was speaking... It looked very natural and, 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 and didn't look disturbing or out of place. However, with Lady, though, the eyes, are, to me, it was the eyes. I couldn't take my eyes off the eyes. They, they were just so big and they looked so digitally rendered on there that I hope they still have less than a month before the launch of Disney Plus that they can work on it and do something else to kind of juice it up a little bit and, and make something look more appealing. It looks cute. It looks nice. It could be, an, and especially it's because it's coming on Disney Plus. I think more people will catch it. If this was coming in theaters, I don't think it was necessary. I think the people over at Disney thought that same exact thing, and I think this is why Lady and the Tramp is coming to Disney Plus. And what's interesting as well is for Disney Plus, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Lady and the Tramp does very well. Maybe if. If, if Disney sticks to these live-action retellings or reboots of their or adaptations of their movies, if films like Lady and the Tramp or lesser-known Disney animated films that Disney wants to do live-action updates for, maybe the lesser-known ones go to Disney Plus instead of getting the theatrical experience, and ones like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, they get the theatrical treatment. And so I think this is going to be very, very interesting and to see how this plays out on November 12th and into November and December when Disney Plus is actually out for everybody to see, which I can't believe it's happening soon. And I think if something like a Dumbo were on Disney Plus, it would work a lot better than having it in a theatrical environment. Even something like a Peach Dragon I think it will work really, really well on a Disney Plus server. So I think that's the thinking that Disney Plus is going to have, and I think Lady and the Tramp is the first actual test to see if that will be true for it or not. But guys, what do you think of Lady and the Tramp coming out on November 12th 
on Disney Plus. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And then the last trending trailer that came out was for Bombshell. Now, this one is directed by Jay Roche. It is starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, John Lithgow, and Kate McKinnon. There were reviews that came out over the weekend, which critics and screeners were able to see Bombshell for the first time, and there were rave reviews coming out for it. And over the last few days, more reviews and reactions have trickled down on social media and on sites as well. And Lionsgate, who is the production company and distributor for Bombshell, they decided to come out with the second trailer, build off the hype, and everything that I've heard from from people that have seen this movie, it lines up from what I saw with the trailer, which is about these three ladies and their tale of bringing down the Fox News head at the time, Roger Ailes. We have Margot Robbie as Charlie's, uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that. We have Charlie's Theron as Megan Kelly. We have Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carlson. And we have Margot Robbie, who is playing a fictional character, but she's an amalgamation of all these different women that came forward that were sexually harassed or assaulted by Roger Nails at the time when people were coming forward about everything that he was doing in terms of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment and sexual assault even in some cases. So I think this is going to be this is going to be a movie that I think is going to be big when it comes out in December. And not just on award season. I I think, first of all, Charlie Theron is going to get awards consideration. And even though I thought it looks like right now Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland might run away with Best Actress, it seems like there's one person that that if she's this great that could challenge her, it seems like it's going to be Charlie Theron as Megyn Kelly in Bombshell. And Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie are getting nomination consideration as well, and so is the movie and the screenplay, and Lithgow is getting consideration, Robbie, they're, they're all getting, it's, it seems like it could be potential Academy Award nominations across the board for this movie. And it could, could be one of those movies that come out in December that really makes an impact on the award season race, kind of like what Vice did, and even something like the Big Short kind of did in a way, but more, more, more along the lines of Vice. And I think if this this movie could be a big talking point as well that could really be a a a theatrical event that people talk about that people are going to go watch and see it's going to divide a lot of people people that are supporters of the hashtag me too and times up movement that will support this and but people that might not like fox news i've been hearing that might not want 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 to be a part of this and so i think it's going to cause conversation kind of like what joker's doing right now and causing controversy and conversation Bombshell could very well do that, and we've seen, even though Joker's more well-known, this story is well-known as it's to a lot of people, and so I think because of that, we could see this movie be a sparking point towards the end of the year that I don't think a lot of people thought would be possible for this movie, so I think we're going to have to look at this one with a lot more open eyes down the line. It seems like people are liking it, loving it, but at the same time might not be liking it, so... I'm excited for this one. It's on my, it's creeped up in my anticipation list for the rest of the year. Probably, it's definitely my top ten. I wouldn't say my top five. It might be in that. I have to think about that a little bit more, but definitely my top ten for the rest of the year. When thinking about it, Irishman is up there along with Knives Out and The Rise of Skywalker. So th those would be my top three right now. But I, Bombshell has to be within my my top ten of the moment. But I'm excited for this one. It looks like. Looks like it's going to be a mixture of, of comedic moments, but not so serious. It, it'll, it'll have like this very, I don't know, the kind of, it, it's going to have a different vibe than something straight serious, but it's going to tell the story of something that tragically happened to a lot of these ladies that have been turned out to be very, very true. And I think the performances of the big three, which is a crazy big three, with Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, and Charlie Theron is incredible. And it seems like they were all passionate about coming to this movie and doing these roles. So I'm really excited to see what they bring to the table. Again, this movie comes out on December. Guys, are you excited about Bombshell? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. The next thing now that I want to get into is something that's happening with AMC theaters. Now, over the, over the last few months, really, AMC has expanded themselves a lot more. They In the summertime, they started up, well, Starting off at last summer, they started up their AMC A-list, which allows people to see up to three movies a week. That is almost reaching a million subscribers in, in 
a little over a year alone, which I think is something AMC didn't think would happen in this amount of time. They also started up their AMC Artisan films, which basically gives a lot more of an expanded scope and a lot more attention to indie films that are coming out, like Midsommar and Late Night, and even along the lines of a Jojo Rabbit and Lucy in the Sky. A lot of these indie films that you wouldn't really think would come out in these theaters at such a time, and especially limited time, AMC is making the time and dedication to put these movies in theaters so people can experience them. And they also have started to go out a little bit more into the entertainment range outside of being just a, a movie theater. And they've opened up to being an entertainment theater. They're, they're allowing football Sundays in which people can go into AMC and they can watch football on the big screen, which is really, really cool. I haven't experienced it for myself, but it seems like it could be a really cool idea. It, it seems like it, So, and, and I haven't heard anybody actually try it out, but some people are interested in it. So they've got that going for them, and now they've decided to go into the home home streaming service in which it's not going to be something like a Netflix or an Apple TV+, Plus, but it's going to be something along the lines of an Amazon, of a Voodoo, in which they're going to allow people to rent out or buy movies after they have made their theatrical window, after they have gone out of the theaters and they're going their way onto digital and DVD AMC Theaters wants to be a part of that digital of that digital service, and so I think that's really really cool. And it just it ex, it expands AMC to being something more than just a movie theater. Now I hope their main fo- focus and priority will always be to be a main, a movie theater because that is what they are first and foremost. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind them trying something new and different. That that is exactly what you need to do. You need to spice things up and bring everybody to your theater, trying to make the most revenue you possibly can with things like this. So I'm excited about that, and I think it doesn't seem like it's a crazy price. The, the one that I think is really interesting is that for only $5.99, you can just really just go in and and just rent a movie for $5.99, whatever it is, and I think that's really cool. But AMC is really trying stuff different, and I love how they are doing that. But guys, are you interested in seeing what AMC brings to the table with this entertainment system? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now guys I want to get into some other news that is happening around the world of Hollywood there was there's so much to get into and now the one of the big things I want to talk about is going back to the Marvel studio side a little bit is Kevin Feige at reported by Variety Hollywood Reporter he is now going to be the COO the the creative chief of Marvel in general so that includes Marvel Studios, the MCU, the TV shows, and the comics. He is a part of all the creative content. Now, some people saw this as the side of Kevin Feige is getting everything he wants. He's going to be the king. This is great. And people have also come out saying that this could be a major workload on him. He's doing a Star Wars movie. This could be too much. But I think it's going to be in the middle, in the medium side, where A, he has a lot of people that report to him so he's not taking on everything but he's going to be a, a chief creative interest mind and in all this stuff he's got the disney plus shows as well that is going to be connected to the mcu and i think all these tv shows that are being run by jeff Loeb, they're gonna they're gonna stop in in, in a few seasons agents of shield is stopping after next year and i think the runaways are going to see them stop soon same thing with cloak and dagger i wouldn't be surprised I think Kevin Feige is going to reboot all those characters and he's going to bring them into the MCU and start to have ABC and Hulu be able to take on more mature content and deliver things that connect to the bigger MCU scope. And I think everything is going to encompass and connect together. And I think that's what Kevin Feige brings to the table. And I think this works out really, really well because you have one creative brain trust. You have one creative brain trust, and everybody else reports that creative brain trust. And while he has people that he 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 riffs off and he, and he has and he develops ideas with, he's the one that has the grander scheme in mind. We saw what he's done with the MCU with Avengers Endgame, and that's all you need. That's all the evidence you need to see that he's one of the greatest producers of all time. He's one of the best producers of this day and age for what he's been able to do. And he is somebody I think that a lot of people can inspire to be to be, aspire to be, because he didn't grow up in in a wealthy state. He, he didn't, he, 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 this isn't something he inherited. He worked his way through the system. He interned, he worked on film sets. He grew into this role. 
and he's also a Jersey guy, so Jersey pride on that. And I will always support my Jerseyans, but it's, this is just a, an incredible story of somebody who was a fan and somebody who just loved comics, loved Marvel, and is now living the dream. I mean, it's a lot of work, and I give credit to him for what he's doing. And I think he's producing a Star Wars movie, too, for crying out loud. And I think that he's not going to be taking over the grand scheme of, of Marvel, uh, excuse me, of Lucasfilm. But, like I said, I think producing a Star Wars movie, he's going to give advice to whoever will run Lucasfilm and tell him, look, you've got to have a creative vision in mind. You've you got to be able to put all your ducks in a row and have a vision for what you want to do. So I think he'll be mentoring people of taking over Lucasfilm once Kathleen Kennedy st steps down in time, which I think she will in the next few years. So I think for Kathleen Kennedy, this is going. To, this is this is something interesting. But it's not even about Kathleen Kennedy. It's about Kevin Feige and what he's been able to accomplish. I think he's got a major workload ahead of him. But I think at the same time, this is something that is incredible. I love it. He deserves this out of everybody. And I do think down the line he will be in a bigger role. In Disney one day. I think he could be the head of the, of the film department there. Taking over Alan Horn's job one day. I really do. I think I think this year proved it. This was the year that really. Kevin Feige proved himself to be somebody. That, that if you have a creative vision. You can execute it. And if you just have time and patience. And you and the fans are invested into it. You can do anything. And I think that's that's something that. He has given to Disney. And Disney has given to him to do anything he wants. And. Being the creative chief over at Marvel now, over everything, I think is a great sign for what they want him to do for them. And so once again, congratulations to Kevin Feige for getting that role in the actual role of, of actually being a part of, of Disney and just doing this incredible, being the CEO of Marvel. So congratulations again to Kevin Feige for, being, for, for doing this and pulling this off and what what an incredible story! One that you that people who are in this business that are working up should aspire to be, which you work hard, you learn, and you make it, and you just work and work and learn and learn and learn and be humble. And from everything that I've heard, I, I've heard people that have interviewed him from time to time, and they just say like everything that happened with Avengers Endgame that he got a standing ovation from the crowd, that he's just a humble guy. That is just he 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 doesn't he doesn't take it for granted. He doesn't take anything for granted, and, and I'm sure he knows what he has accomplished. But he it, he he doesn't he doesn't put it all on himself. He doesn't say this was all me 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 me. He does it's we 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 team we. San Diego Comic Con. He could have had the moment all to himself, but he decided to bring out the Marvel Studios team and show that it's more than just I. It is. It, it, it's it's a team effort from the cast and the crew and the executive team and the creative team from the from the props team it's everybody involved in it so I love that about Kevin Feige I hope one day I can interview the guy because that would I hope I would have an hour conversation with Kevin Feige just to just to pick his brain about what he's learned and how he's learned and the lessons he's taken over these last 10 plus years and what he looks forward to in the future I would love to interview Kevin Feige and see what he thinks about all this. Guys, what do you think about Kevin Feige taking over as Marvel chief of everything? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And, and to keep on to some Marvel news real quick, Taika Waititi and Scarlett Johansson are on the press tour for Jojo Rabbit, which is hitting theaters this weekend in limited release in L.A. and New York. And... Taika Waititi just confirmed that Korg will be returning in Thor Love and, Th Love and Thunder, the fourth installment in the Thor franchise, once again directed by Taika Waititi. And Taika made a name for himself as being a memorable director in the MCU, but also creating a memorable character with Korg that appeared in Thor Ragnarok and was also in Avengers Endgame for a few scenes. And so people really love the character, and I think people are excited that Korg is coming back the role, we don't know what kind of role he's going to come back into. Taika, I think, is putting finishing touches on the script before going into production in the next year or so. Right now, he's focused on Jojo Rabbit, which I don't blame him on, as that is getting a lot of traction. But I do think Korg is going to have a good role in Thor Love and Thunder. Guys, what do you think about that? 
Let me know what you think down in the comment section. And then also, Scarlett Johansson has been also in the in, on, on the press tour for Jojo Rabbit. And last week, Brie Larson talked about wanting to do an all-female Marvel film. And Scarlett Johansson in interviews is all for that. She has been pushing for it. But what's interesting is that if you know what happens to her character in Avengers Endgame and you hear about what's happening with Black Widow, you know that's going to be a little tough, especially if it takes place after everything that happened with Avengers Endgame into the future of the MCU. But I think what's interesting is the fact that maybe it's... From what I've been hearing, Black Widow could be a series of movies that maybe start Natasha Romanoff or break off and star different Black Widows, like different characters that are Black Widow and in that organization... But I think the fact that you have somebody like Scarlett Johansson, who is really the one of the the, fir- the founding females in the MCU, who really is 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 really a pioneer in in, in being a, the one of the first leading leading or even supporting ladies in a superhero movie with the Black Widow, with what she did in Iron Man two in 2010, and what she did with Avengers and so on and so forth in the MCU, she's incredible. And so I think having her go to Kevin Feige and, and support this, I think, really helps deliver the impact that this is something that people want to see happen and I think really should happen in the overall sense of things. So I'm excited that Scott Johansson is thinking about actually doing this movie. I think it would be really, really cool. And guys, what do you think about Scarlett Johansson, Taika Waititi coming back for as Corrigan, Thor, Love and Thunder, and this all-female MCU film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now, I want to get into some Academy Award news that is happening right now in the world of Hollywood. And again, we're in, we're starting to get into the thick of things of award season. All the film festivals have really come and gone at this point. And we're now starting to hear about where people are starting to land in certain spots, where people are starting to become front runners, where their momentum is coming at. And a lot of people are starting to submit in their consideration, their Oscar campaigns to start the award season process. And now a lot of studios have now submitted in their their films to be considered for animated feature in the best animated feature category at the Oscars. And it's come up with such films as Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, Abominable, The Addams Family, How to Train Your Dragon, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, are all just examples of films that have submitted their names for best animated feature. And there's a lot of international films that have done it as well. And again, this is, excuse me, this is no surprise whatsoever in the fact that this always happens every single year and that we we have our finalists down. We have the finalists for who we see is going to be in here. And and I just said Frozen 2 is in there. Disney hasn't even released the film yet, but they are confident enough that Frozen 2 is going to get a lot of rave reviews, be a big box office hit, and probably get itself submitted in for best animated feature at the Oscars but if you were to ask me what the front runners are if I had to pick out of all these lists of best animated features I think we're gonna have the, it's five the, there's five films that get in for best animated feature so I think we're gonna get two international films because they, they always want to spice it up and, and 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 include international films that you wouldn't really recognize and maybe you watch it once the films get nominated before the uh, the telecast for the Academy Awards happen so I think we'll get two foreign animated films that came out this year. And then we come down to three. Now it could be, I think because there have been a lot of great animated films overall, it could be one or two international features. But over the last few years, it seems like the consistency has been at least two international pictures. And if I had to pick the other three that are coming in, to me it would be Toy Story 4 without a doubt that is the that is honestly the front runner at this point that is the unless the it's it's the hands down no no bars it is the front runner to be nominated and, and to win best animated feature at this year's Oscars then of course i think Frozen 2 depending how odd it is i, I to me i'm just going to go off the basis of what i got with the first Frozen how it was a phenomenon i'm going to go off the fact that you have the directors coming back most of the same team coming back it's going to be a big hit, both critically and financially. So I'm giving at least Frozen 2 to be on that second spot. And then you have that third slot. And I think that's going to come down to either Abominable, which I think is a very good film. Surprisingly, hasn't gotten a lot of traction. Beautifully animated. It's a 
it, even though it is a tr- it's a tried and true story that has happened over time and time, but it still it brings out those emotional moments. The characters are very well fleshed out. You know them by the very end. You're rooting for them. You you love them at the very end of the movie. And plus, you have that amazing creature. So I think Abominable has a chance. Also, you have hidden uh, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, which came out at the very beginning of the year. And if people remember that movie, that could very well get the third slot in the animated feature. But again, it could be Abominable and How to Train Your Dragon in an international film coming out over the next few months. But it's going to be up in the air. But I think right now, if we had to choose a film to actually win it and get nominated, it's got to be Toy Story 4. I mean, 98% Rotten Tomatoes. Toy Story 3 won the last Best Animated Film in 2010. To be, it, 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 it's, it's the titan. It's the one to win it all. That's If there's one thing that I think is a surefire bet, unless... Something happens where maybe a, a Spider-Man to the Spider-Universe thing happens, which I highly doubt that could be Frozen 2, where it'll be in the same company as Disney. But I, I just think that while Incredibles 2 was a it was a very good film, it's not on the same level as Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse was just a superior film. If, 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 it, if it was Toy Story 4 and Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse in the same year, I think you've got a tighter competition than we have seen in years and years. But I think right now, unless, again, I think unless Frozen 2 is top-notch, incredible, makes people come out of theaters sobbing their eyes out, I think it's going to be Toy Story 4 for the nomination for the win right now. Again, it's very early on, but right now I have to say Toy Story 4 is the front-runner to A, get nominated, and to B, win the whole thing. Guys, what do you think? Do you think Toy Story 4 is the best chance to win Best Animated Feature? What do you think are going to be the five selections for this year's Best Animated Feature film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to get into some some casting news about Robert Eggers, who is the director of The Lighthouse, who I'm going to get into in a little bit, talking about this, this film that he has coming out, The Lighthouse, which I'll get into in a little bit. But I have to get into a new movie that he's going to be casting for, and that is the light. Uh, not the lighthouse. Apparently, it's going to be a movie about Vikings, and the cast has been revealed for this movie, and it's going to star Alexander and Bill Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor Joy, and William Dafoe. Now, first hearing that cast, that is a extraordinary cast for Robert Eggers, who has really started to become one of the up and coming directors in the industry right now. Between what he did with The Witch with Anya Taylor Joy. And then what he seems to be doing now with Defoe and Robin Pattinson in the Lighthouse, he's got. He's, this is his biggest cast to date, and he's somebody that seems like he puts out obscure work that is makes you think and is is thrilling and thought provoking, and I and I really enjoy that. I'm excited to see the Lighthouse. That looks like a quirky, incredibly different film, which I'll get into in a little bit. But I think for Robert Eggers, this is his bit his best cast to date, and I'm excited to see what he does. With this movie with Vikings and maybe Norse mythology and maybe taking place in <coughs> excuse me, in, in 10th century. I think this is something that could be really, really cool for Eggers to really take on down the line. But we'll see as 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 the cast maybe starts to flesh itself out a little bit more. But down the line we'll see what happens. And and then one of the last things I want to get into before going to the opening weekend is Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski are teaming up for a movie that Krasinski is going to star, produce, direct. Kind of like what Bateman's doing with Ryan Reynolds in in a new reboot for Clue. Krasinski is doing it with Ryan Reynolds. And I love seeing these two team up in in, in, in a film. These action stars, these these comedians at the same time. So I'm really excited to see what Reynolds and Krasinski do in this movie. It doesn't have a release date just yet, but the announcement for these two coming out is something to really get noticed for and get excited about down the line. But guys, what do you think of John Krasinski and Ryan Reynolds being in a movie together? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Next thing I want to get into is the opening weekend. This is the final final thing that I want to get into today, and that is for Maleficent. Excuse me. I want to get into the opening weekend. The opening weekend for this week, we have a lot of incredible films that are coming out. We have a lot of incredible films that are making their way and this to me is the stacked weekend of October. This is the, you have different movies for different people. You have the, the semi-family film 
you have the hardcore comedy action film, and then you have the limited films that are coming out that are potential Oscar contenders. So going through them, the first one, which is potentially going to be the big one for the weekend, is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Disney is back in the theaters after taking about a, mo- a two-month hiatus. Not even hiatus, but they at, at, the last big film to come out in theaters was The Lion King in July. Now this is their big one to come out in October. This is one that was supposed to come out next year, but Disney decided to push it up and put it back into 2019 instead of 2020. It started, it's a sequel to Maleficent, which made half a billion dollars in 2014. Angelina Jolie, Elle Fanning are coming back to this film. You also added Michelle Pfeiffer, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Even though the film isn't getting a lot of great buzz, it has a 40% of Rotten Tomatoes. Right now it has a box office projection opening weekend of 45 to $50 million. We'll see if it can continue that dominant streak for the month of October after what Joker has done in the last two weeks. Also, I think this is something where, again, it's, it's going to be interesting. From where Disney had one of the craziest summers I have ever witnessed in my entire life for a studio to do. It's going to be interesting to see how they ended on a high note. Now, I think Maleficent Mistress of Evil so has always been that question mark. Will it continue that billion-dollar streak for Disney, or will it gross around half a billion dollars or maybe even a little less? I think... It seems right now, with even with all these reviews, that Maleficent might not make as much money as the first one did, which might be a problem for Disney in terms of maybe doing sequels of this again down the line. But I think between Frozen 2 and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, they'll be okay. But I think for this one, it's going to be a tough test for them that this is something that they can rely on, news, not even new stories, but rely on something that isn't so sequel, well, so IP-heavy like a Frozen or... Toy Story or uh, MCU or Star Wars. I think for them, this is something they're going to want to hitch something their bets on. And we'll see what happens. But I'm excited. I'm interested in seeing this one. I I wasn't the biggest fan of the first Maleficent. I enjoyed it. Angelina Jolie was was Angelina Jolie. She was amazing. But it just didn't didn't hit me. (coughs) Excuse me. As well as I thought it was going to hit me. But I'm interested in seeing this. Even though the reviews haven't been as well thought as I thought they were going to be I think it's still ones to actually keep an eye out on and be interested in down the line but guys are you interested about seeing Maleficent Mistress of Evil let me know what you think down below in the comment section now I want to get into Zombieland Double Tap this is a film that came out 10 years ago the, the, the first one Zombieland it was a cult hit it took them 10 years to come up with a new one and 10 years later these these actors with Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Ab- Abigail Branson, they have grown up both in their actual lives and in the actual film itself. The whole cast and the crew is back. Ruben Fletcher, who directed the first one, is back for this one. It has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Box office production is 25 to $30 million. And it's a film that I think is one that really has turned a keen eye on a lot of people I think is one that a lot of people are interested in. It seems like it's a fun, entertaining ride like the first one. The chemistry between the cast is incredible. And it's one that I think people are going to actually take interest in down the, this weekend. So maybe it gets a boost in the box office jump. Maybe how Maleficent might stay or come down from its box office projection with the with the negative reviews. So I'm excited about this one. I'm, the trailers have looked like a fun time going back to this world that was created. So I'm interested in seeing what happens with Zombieland Double Tap. Guys, what do you think of this? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section. Now to get on to some of the indie films that are coming out. Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Watiti. The cast, Roman Griffin Davis, Thomas McKenzie, Rebel Wilson, Sam Rockwell, Taika, and Scarlett Johansson. Stacked cast coming for this one. It's an Oscar hopeful. It won the People's Choice Award at the Toronto International Film Festival last month. So this is a film that is, with that award, is going to be a huge Oscar su- success for them this year. It could, for, for Fox Search. Excuse me for Fox Searchlight. This is a big big deal for Taika coming off of Thor Ragnarok. I think a lot of people know what he is doing now. It seems like right now a lot of people are raving about this movie. It's one of their favorites of the year. So I think for people, this is this is an anti-hate satire, which even though it takes place in Nazi Germany, it details things that are happening in our society today about hate and love and acceptance of and acceptance of people and of who we are. So it seems like Taika really has this one in the bag. So I'm excited about seeing this one. I think the trailers look amazing. And I think it's one to keep an eye out for. Again, 
only limited release this weekend, only playing in theaters in New York and L.A. And then, of course, we have The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Eggers, starring Robert Patterson, William Dafoe. Another one that I think is a film that is going to really excel itself at the at at Academy Awards talk this year. I think especially for Patine, I think the cinematography, the production design, and for Pattinson and Defoe. This, to me, has been one of my most anticipated for October. Again, I love the style. It's old, <clears throat> it's old 30s, 40s Hollywood feel. It's a film that I think is is going to not appeal to everybody, and it seems like it hasn't, but I'm going in there with an open mind and seeing what Robert Eggers is just trying to tell in this movie. It seems like a, th- a murder mystery thriller that I'm really excited about. Guys, what do you think of this film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And then the last thing I want to get into, guys, is a Netflix movie that's coming out that was also at the film festivals, and that is for The Laundromat. It stars Meryl Streep, Antonio Banderas, and stars Gary Oldman, and is directed by Steven Soderbergh, and it takes, it, 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 it involves the Panama Papers, and it seems like it's going to be a dramatity in which I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting more something like the papers or all the president's men. But it seems like this movie is actually going to be talking about uh, about the Panama Papers in a different way. Meryl Streep has been getting some Oscar buzz, but it seems like that buzz has teetered off a little bit. The reviews have been okay. They haven't been unanimously amazing. But at the same time, you have somebody like Meryl Streep, Antonio, Gary Oldman. You're going to get some kind of awards buzz along with Soderbergh. But I don't think it's going to be a mainstay, but I'm definitely going to be checking out this weekend. It's been in select theaters, but it's hitting Netflix on this Friday, October 18th. Guys, are you interested in seeing The Laundromat? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. There also came a trailer for it today. It's about a minute long, and it looked really interesting. I'm excited to see what this movie's about, to see the kind of vibe that Soderbergh is trying to do with The Laundromat. But, guys, that's going to be it for the opening weekend preview and that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Sub Podcast. Guys, I know I covered so much. This is a long, long episode of the Sam Sub Podcast. But I promise you, not a lot of episodes are going to run this long. But there was just, I missed yesterday. I was so busy. And I wanted to make sure I covered everything from yesterday and today into one. And I promise it won't be this hour-long episode again. But sometimes they'll go this long. But at the same time, we're going to make sure to, to shorten them up so I'm not always running over on a lot of this stuff. Again, so much to cover, and I want to make sure everyone stays up to date on everything that's going on in the world of Hollywood. But, guys, thank you so much for sticking me with, sticking with me with this episode. Be sure to tune in on my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Also, make sure to tune into Ambiguous Network. Be sure to check out their other amazing shows they have on their site, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them out on their websites at ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell, also on at the Sam Bissell Podcast. Guys, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this long episode of Sam Bissell Podcast. Next, tomorrow, I'm promising it won't be as long. There won't be that many stories, but thank you guys again so much for tuning into this one. I know it was a long one, but again, I want to keep you guys informed as much as possible. Thank you again for tuning in, and as always, keep on screening. <laughs>